0: Thank you for tuning in to this first and foremost series on prayer. And before we go any further, obviously, let's pray together. God, uh, we pray that you will help us to understand um, your will from these scriptures. That we might know what you mean by them and what it means for us. And Lord, that we might um, find our prayer revitalized like never before, that we will find ourselves going into um, deeper treasures of you and your word because of the prayer. So bless us during this time. Help us to become more like Jesus. And we pray for those who are not yet saved. Family members, co-workers, neighbors, strangers. We pray for their salvation and that they may come from this time with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when you're talking about the first and foremost series, the the, the real key here is to realize that, that prayer is a biblical essential for all of us. And not just all of us as Christians, which is is obvious throughout scriptures, but all of us as people on the planet. I have had countless people over my life go, hey, look, I don't believe in Jesus. I know that you do. Would you pray for me? I mean, people want to believe in, they do believe in a higher power. Um, the sad truth is there's only one true God, one Father uh, God, one Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of all, one Holy Spirit to guide and comfort us. But people know that that in this world, no matter how much they achieve, no matter how hard life gets, they need something smarter, wiser, better, stronger, faster than they are to help them out in all of this. So people all the time are coming to prayer. So prayer is a biblical essential um, to life. So much of our structure, so much of our hopes and our dreams, the strength that we need comes from that. So in this a series of first and foremost, we've looked at salvation, we've looked at Bible study, now we're rolling into this sort of menagerie of biblical essentials prayer. Now here's what, um, a just a description of what prayer is. Um, prayer is uh, giving God praise and credit for the great things he has done, along with lovingly sharing everything with the one who can do anything prayer is something that we engage with God in. It's part of the strengthening of relationships. I know, I know sometimes you'll hear it more um, sort of bumper stickery this way. Prayer is a conversation with God. Um, it's, it's sharing and listening, hearing and being. So uh, prayer is, is, is vital to the success of every person on the planet. And by success, I mean becoming more like Jesus Christ and fulfilling God's sovereign will um, on the face of the earth. And then all of these things will be added unto you um, after that in accordance with God's will. So, so that's prayer. Sharing everything lovingly um, with the one who can do every, anything, which is the one is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sharing it with them in times of prayer. So we're going to unpack um, this even more. And there's, uh, you know, I was, I was praying, I was talking, I was listening to God. I was like, God, well, what are some of the reasons why um, prayer is so important? And then he led me to these words um, of Jesus' half-brother, right? Because we know Jesus had little brothers and sisters. And uh, in James chapter 4, it says this, um, when you ask in prayer, um, you do not receive. Have you ever prayed and felt like, like God's not answering my prayer request? Like, I'm not getting anything from prayer. I've got my prayer journal. I've dated when I have gave that prayer request. I've been praying for this for decades. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And I was like, God, what, what, what's some of the hang-ups that, that happen when we pray? So he leads me uh, to this, to one of Jesus' little brothers who got saved after Jesus kind of fulfilled his ministry in James. And in James chapter four, verse three, it just listens. It says this, when you ask in prayer, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you would spend what you get on your own pleasures. To that which I would say, man, he nailed it. That's me. But There's even a story in scriptures where Jesus is inside the house. Surrounded by people who want to listen what he has to say. Some to persecute him. Some to be set free from him. And they're like, look, your, 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 your mom and your sisters are outside. And they demand an audience. They, they, you know, they want you to come. And he goes like, these are my brothers and sisters. This is my mom. And he says this to the crowd around him. This is my family. They were trying to get Jesus to, to bow to their desire. You can see them as where Jesus turns water to wine and he talks to Mary. And he's just like, Mary's like, hey, do this thing. And he's like, hey, it's, it's not yet time. Or you, you see that all throughout. And one of the tensions that, that God, when he, he looks on us when it comes to prayer, is that we're asking with wrong motives in order to fulfill our own pleasures what's good for us, what we think is right, what, what we feel is best. So, so we run over here and we, we, we kneel by our bedside or we, or, we, or we just kind of close our eyes and, and bow and go, Lord, just, you know, just help this to happen. Just help this to come true, right? Somehow take all of the fattiness and badness of this unhealthy food out of it and make it healthy for me and, and transform it. And God's like, look, you're not receiving in prayer because you asked that, right? Some of the more colloquialisms that we have in life are um, two wrongs don't make a right. Um, and prayer and all of that uh, goes into that. Um, the end doesn't always justify the means. The end doesn't justify the means. So if, if, if I get what I want, it doesn't make it okay to just go, well, now I'm only going to pray for one want. It's just sometimes it doesn't work that way. Just because sometimes something turns out well doesn't make it all right. Why you were going on a journey of prayer, why you are praying is just as important of how you get to Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit in prayer. So it's not just just the how and the means, but it's also the motive and the why. So a, a lot, thankfully, a, a lot of our prayer, prayer requests are, are not answered because God knows that they would bring destruction to us. As a dad, I do that to my kids all the time. I tell them no in some ways. I, I steer them yes in other directions. With God's as a prayer, I'm going to answer this prayer request because it's going to help you bring me glory and make disciples, which is why we exist. So God looks in prayer and he goes, Hey, just this is a hang up in prayer. Watch out. When you're praying, evaluate why you're praying. Are you praying so that it just gives for you or is it to advance the gospel message so that people will be saved and people will become more like Jesus Christ? And there's a real tension there. God's like, oh, if they would just pray for for my will to be done, if they would just pray for the things that I care about, then then they would see this, this explosion of deafness in the relationship with God. If they would just listen to what he has to say. And James just tells us that. He's like, look, hey, watch out, man. When you're praying... One of the reasons you may not be receiving is, well, ultimately you're not receiving because God doesn't receive yet, but it also could be because you're asking with the wrong motives. So when you pray, why do you pray? Why do you do that? Is it out of ritual and tradition? Do you think that prayer will save you more than Jesus Christ and grace will save you? Do you pray to make yourself a better Christian and become more like Jesus? That's a good reason to pray. So, so let's, let's look at the one thing here. I don't want you to, I don't want you to hear me and think that, they just think like, well, I don't, I don't need to pray anymore because, or I only need to pray when I'm asking for the right reason. so therefore I won't do it. That's like saying someone who's like, I'm only going to get saved when I become a good person. It's just it's not going to happen. You want to get better at prayer? Pray. And you want to get better at prayer? Listen to messages like this one you're locked into now on prayer. So this one thing says this. It unequivocally tells us to, um, in Colossians 4, to devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. When was the last time you were watchful and thankful in prayer? I mean, that's just such a unique deal. Generally, prayer boils down for the Christian, and this is a broad stroke, so don't get offended. Don't think this is all the prayer is. There's so much depth to it. But a lot of times prayer is like, God, here's my requests, and then here's um, what I want for you to do, and then we're kind of yes and amen, and we're done. Sometimes there's a little listening and silence and solitude, but but rarely. Usually we just kind of get it out, yes and amen, and we move on. But when you devote yourself, this is an action word right now, to prayer, being watchful and thankful in the midst of prayer. We're going to unpack that a little bit more to look at some scriptures and just help us understand what does it mean to devote ourselves to prayer? What does it mean to be watchful and thankful? So I'm going to give you some context because on one end, God's like, "Hey, don't pray for things that are don't pray for things that are going to be false intentions and, and false motives." But he goes, "Look, when you are praying, though, I, I want you to see these, these good things that can come out of prayer when you do pray." So the context that God desires when His people pray, one of those contexts and hopes that he has is in Second Chronicles 7:14. Many of you may know it just because we've gone through um, lots of things in our country, but it says this. Uh, in 2 Chronicles 7 14. If my people, my people, God's people, who are called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways, then what? Then I will hear them from heaven as they pray. I'll forgive their sins, yes and amen, and I will heal their land. I don't know what country we're in. Does it matter? I do know this: your country needs healing. Our country, the United States of America, needs healing. Our state, North Carolina, specifically at the beach where we live, needs healing. So, so this is the great context that God has for us when we enter into prayer. Um, what He's looking for in posture and presence and purpose when we come to Him in prayer. That we would come humbly and seek His face, not our own wants and desires. Yet, that we would turn from our bad ways and and know that God would hear us. And then you get this huge sort of sigh of relief in in this passage of scriptures, where there's restoration and revitalization. He He forgives you of your sins, which that's that's sins lead to death, and that's what sends people to hell. Forgives you of that, and then He heals your land. So for you farmers, I know you're super excited, right? It's gonna heal your land, literally. But it also means he's gonna heal the lands of places where you dwell, where you work, where you worship, where you live, where you recharge. So God's like, look, if they can just move in the right motives of prayer, then this is what waits for them. And who are the people in this verse that, that bring this to their country? It, it, it's not political parties. It's not the poor or the wealthy, though each of those people are in that, this particular group. It's the Christians. It's the Christians who come to God humbly, who seek his face earnestly and just say, God, forgive and heal us. Forgive and heal us. So, so you can see why God's so excited and jazzed and just hopeful and yearning that will grab this Old Testament understanding of prayer. So let's unpack some verses that are going to really help us to understand sort of, I don't want to necessarily say the mechanics, though I just said that, but the context of what prayer is. So in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, very, very popular verses. Also kind of taken f- from Jesus, as all the Bible is, from Jesus. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, you're getting, some of these words are going to sound familiar. Matthew chapter 6, this is Philippians chapter 4. Uh, but, but look what these verses say. Let's just look at 6 and 7 here. 6 and 7 say, do not uh, be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So just, just looking at scripture, um, according to Philippians 4, 6 through 7, what are some important characteristics to having an authentic prayer time with God? If we know we can have an inauthentic prayer time and our prayers are, are useless, but then we also know on the, on the other side we can have authentic prayer time, then what do verses 6 and 7 show us? So we start at verse 6. Verse 6 just helps us to see. It talks about this, prayer and supplication. Uh, Great word. What is supplication? Supplication is when you petition God, when you, when you ask him for things. So petition means the things asked for. So Lord, here's my petition. This is my desire. This is my, my long heart. This is, this is what we need. Here's the, the the needs of others. Here, here, this is petition. So you offer supplication in that. So when you come in prayer to God and Jesus, you offer that. These are the things that I would just ask for. And, and, and hoping and desiring if they're in alignment with you, which we'll, we'll talk about how to get there next to where that, look, do you know that every time you pray, you can pray in God's will and for God's will. You, you can do that. The scripture guides us in those things. And it's just going to help us see that this is the way we can do it. So we come. So God's just like, look, get in alignment. My kids come to me all the time and ask for things outside of my will. Ask for things that are outside of what's good for them. They ask for things that are good for them, which I will give to them. And then they ask for things that I do not give them for them. Because I do not want them to harm themselves by what they ask for and what they desire. When it talks about Thanksgiving, your immediate need, if you're an American, is Thanksgiving Day. That's what you think of in your brain. But Thanksgiving is grateful language to God. I, I love the Greek word of it. It's Eucharista, which you may know the word from church history and tradition. The Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. So which Thanksgiving you sit down and you do these things in remembrance of Jesus Christ. You pray in remembrance. It's, Eucharist is the verb of it. So it's the action of Thanksgiving. Where I am going to gratefully language out of my mouth the things that I am grateful for to Jesus for what he's done. Obviously his life. Obviously his death. Obviously his resurrection. And the free gift of grace that we can all be saved for if we would just call on the name of the Lord. So he's saying like, look, these are important characteristics, supplication, thanksgiving. And then you actually make things known to God. You, you declare them to him. You, you voice them out to him. You communicate them with groanings of your soul and, and, and passions of your heart and, and words from your mind. And he's like, this, this is, this is how we come. This is, this is what we do. And we're not anxious about anything. And here's what I love about this. He's like, when we're not anxious about anything, because we know what we've done in prayer, then in verse seven, you see these things just kind of growing out of it. It's crazy. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Have you ever just been freaked out by peace? Just, just so peaceful, just so peaceful that you're like, look, my world is going nuts around me at work. But I've just... There's an inner calm and a strength that comes from God. That happens in the workout room of prayer. The training of prayer. The the working out of prayer. The the communication in prayer. So you take these things which you are tempted to be anxious of or maybe have gripped you and you give them to God and you take back from Him the the peace you receive, honestly. The peace that He offers. So so He's telling us that, look... All these things, this peace of spirit. And here's what it does that peace, it guards you. It guards your heart, it guards your mind in Christ Jesus because you are saved. What I love about the guard imagery, which would have just been obvious to the people in scriptures, is, is it's, it's a military guard. So it's a guy who's on this tower. He's, he's out there and he's preventing any hostile invasion that would hurt God's people. But he's also keeping God's people from, from flight. You know that whole psychological mindset, fight or flight, whenever you're faced with a tough challenge, you either fight against it or you run away from it. So this guarding of your heart, this is what peace does. Peace fights for you in the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And it says, when you come in prayer, you will be guarded by God. When you come to God in prayer, I will not allow you to be invaded by hostiles because you will be protected as a part of this armor of God. And I will keep you as an inhabitant, a a dweller in the city of God, a a family of God member from fleeing my protection. That's what prayer does. It surrounds you with a hedge of protection. You ever prayed that way for someone or for yourself? God, put a hedge of protection around them. It comes from this verse. It's informed from that. A guard that watches over you, that keeps the hostiles out and keeps you protected inside safely with, with who God is as you live your life, by the way, as you live your life in the kingdom of God. These skills, supplication, thanksgiving, making things known to God, not being anxious about anything, these are, they're inseparable and vital components to prayer life. And they are skills that we develop in the journey of prayer which leads to peace. Prayer should lead you to greater Peace. It doesn't mean you're going to be all right with everything or you're going to think that everything happening in the world is so great and you're like whoop-dee-doo and running through fields and way. No, you're just going to have a peace because it's going to remind you who's still on the throne. God is. It's going to remind you who saved your soul. Jesus did. It's going to remind you who guides and comforts you. The Holy Spirit does. Man, prayer is so important. Prayer is so important. And when it comes to prayer, this scripture, verses 6 and 7, they show us it's not only is it important what you lay down, but it's also important what you receive from God. So you lay down your anxiousness. You lay down your pride. And you pick up peace and protection. I will take that trade every day and twice on Sundays. To go, here's my my concern and my anxiousness. Here's my pride and you're going to help me to receive from you peace and protection. Yes, all the time, every day. Peace and protection and and comfort in in my marriage, um, in my spiritual growth, with my family, um, at my job, in my neighborhood, in this country which I live, that is tumultuous. Yes, I will take that all the time. And it comes in Prayer. It comes through prayer and in the midst of prayer. So we have to talk about properly praying. We're getting you there in posture. Do you see what's happening? You can pray with two motives. One's right, one's wrong. Selfish motives never gets answered. God's motives and desires always answered. The scripture tells us that. Then we talk about, in prayer, kind of how we get there. Did not come in anxiousness. To to just with supplication and petition and thanksgiving. Nice and kind and loving language to God. Now, specifically, how do we pray? Go no further than Matthew chapter 6. So, find your way to Matthew chapter 6. Many of you already know that this is a passage of the Lord's Prayer. Who else would you go to other than Jesus for direct guidance? And he teaches specifically on prayer. In fact, um, the disciples come much as I do with Jesus and they come to Jesus and they're like Jesus like we've got needs we've got concerns your your movement is growing your enemies are growing relationships are are improving and changing and fracturing and families and teach us to pray how do we pray and Jesus answers this way. So it's just, man, right? Just starting at, we're just going to look at 5, 6, and seven first of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. So here's, here's Jesus' response as we lock into praying. Because the goal is what? The goal is to get you praying more. But Nathan, I pray X amount of minutes, hours a day. Ah, there's still more there, right? The deeper relationships are born out of more time together. So Jesus says, and when you pray, by the way, I'll pump the brakes there. And when you pray, you must, non-negotiable. This is non-negotiable. It's a commandment, a principle, and a precept from God. So when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. It was a very common practice for religious leaders to do that in that day. To just be real obvious in their prayers. So that they may be seen by others. Right there it is in the verse. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. And what a cheap reward that is compared to what God can give. Verse 6. But when you pray, disciple of Jesus Christ. When you pray, Christian. When you pray, person Who needs to become a Christian? All you watching and listening are Christians. When you pray, go into your room. Shut the door. Look at the contrast. And pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. The, the popular thing of false religions was to chant and just constantly repeat these mantras over and over and over again. And somehow that, if you did that for enough time, it would finally get the God's attention. And then he or she would respond to you or it would respond to you. And Jesus like, don't do that. No empty simple phrases of meaninglessness. No ritual in prayer. You know what this is? Jesus is trying to stamp out the the mindless, ritualistic, heartless prayers. For they, it says, think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So let's just pull some guidelines out of these verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 to help us sort of understand what God's talking about. First and foremost, uh, when you pray, um, you need to be saved. It says when you go to your father and pray to him in secret, how, how does God become your father? Beyond just, uh, let's say your spiritual father. To put it more in sort of a New Testament, Romans, Hebrews kind of way. Because God's all of our father creation-wise. He created all of us. But spiritually, the, what really counts in eternity how does he become that? That's through salvation. God must be your father first. You must pray for salvation. You must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you'll be saved because it's with your heart that you believe under righteousness and your mouth you confess under justification. You, you have to call on the name of the Lord and receive that free gift of grace. It's not works-based. It's free-based. It's, you are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So, so what you're seeing here is first, he's got to be your father. You've got to, you've got to pray for salvation. That's the, that's the first great prayer. Every person needs to pray if they've not done it already. And that includes you. And it's our heart's prayer. All of us here at Chapel Bay, all of us Christians on the planet are praying for you. As a, as a non-Christian who's not born again, that you would be saved. What else do we see from these verses? We see a, um, well, here, here's the question. What does Matthew 6, verses 5-8 through 8 show us about ourselves when we pray? Did, let me just put it real clear and real simple. You know, boil it down for a, for, a, for a guy like me. When we pray, we need to speak from the heart. We need to honor God. And we need to get to the point. Don't run around the barn seven times as we say here in the South before you go in. Right? Speak from the heart. Honor God, get to the point. And don't be about prayer in a way that's outlandishly showy. But pray in such a way that your words are filled with love, that you're honoring God, that you're clear and concise in your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Just God, just graciously and respectfully and fearfully, just here it is. Right? It's, it's one of the reasons in the message we always put the one thing, right? To devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Just to be clear on it, right? You should be able to share the gospel message with someone and lead them to salvation in a very short amount of time without having to give a four-hour, five-hour uh, dissertation on what the Bible has to say about salvation's need. You should be ready in season and out of season to defend that. You should be ready in prayer to just get to the point because that's what God says in verse 8. Look, he already knows what you need for his asking. Like you're not surprising him with your requests. So when you pray, just relax in the love of that relationship. Be clear and concise and truthful And honest. And just go, God, here's my heart on this. Here's my mind on this. Here's my soul on this. Here's my body on this. Help me in this prayer. And what I love about this is he's like, look. He's getting us there, right? Not to be anxious, as Paul wrote to Philippi. um, uh, But in prayer and supplication. So you're just seeing this message continue. And then he says this in the following verses of Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. So, in verse 5, he says, when you pray, you must. And then he says, pray then like this. This is how we pray. So, let's look at verse 9, um, 10, 11, 12, and 13 of chapter 6. So, pray then like this. You probably got to memorize. I'm trying to teach my kids to memorize this. Um, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I, I don't know. That, what's a stronger word than challenge? I double dog dare you. That's stronger. Man, when I was on the playground, you got double dog dared. You couldn't back out. A double dog dare you. Memorize the Lord's Prayer. Memorize the Lord's Prayer. What is Jesus' advice to be found in Matthew 6, verse 9? When you don't know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. And let me smash you up with this. When you do know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. Man, the the Lord's Prayer is is a message series all in and of its own. And maybe the Lord will lead us there sometime. But literally, everything you have faced, will face, and are going to face, everything you need, have needed, and will need, it is all wrapped up in this prayer. Not just you, but everybody else. And it checks all the boxes. It gives God glory. It makes disciples. It gives Him praise. It gives Him credit. It puts you in the right respect of prayer. So when you don't know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. When you do know what to pray, pump the brakes and pray the Lord's Prayer. Because that's what the Messiah says. The disciples come to him, put Jesus right in front of them and go, hey, when we pray, how do it teach us to pray? And he's like, you pray this. You learn this. So one of the number one things you can do is memorize the Lord's Prayer so that you can recite it. It means get your Bible open, turn to Matthew chapter 6, memorize that prayer. And if you have that prayer memorized, Christians, I would say to all of us, use it more. Use it more. Man, when that prayer of Jabez book came out, we lost our minds in the Christian world. It was on t-shirts, that little book was everywhere. Everything was Jabez's prayer. Why don't we just lose ourselves in the just the loving, logical, wise grace of the Lord's prayer? And what you're getting with this first and foremost series is a growing repertoire of Christ-likeness. First, we talked about salvation. Then we talked about Bible study. Now we're talking about prayer. We're putting all of this together to help enliven your daily devotions with God. Where does prayer take place? Where does prayer take place? Prayer takes place in your daily devotions with God. You should be spending that time with Him all the time. But before you spend the time with the Lord, you need to be saved. You need to do that now. That's what you need. Salvation. Studying God's word. And prayer all wrapped together. And we're going to continue in these next following few weeks. And we're just throwing more in that midst. And more in that midst. I and mean, these are the essentials. You will not grow as a Christian if you're not doing these things. If you're not a Christian, obviously you'll never grow as a Christian. You're not studying your Bible, you're not going to grow. Your local churches not going to grow. Your neighborhood's not going to grow. Your relationships, they're not going to grow. Same with prayer. If prayer's not involved in the midst of all of these so here's what I'm going to do. Based on this message, what is something we can do to become more like Jesus Christ? I've already said, if you're not a Christian, if you're not born again, if you don't have that assurance of salvation, it is salvation. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you for your sins, all your wrongdoings, thinkings, and sayings. Ask Him to be the Lord and King of your life. But if you are a Christian, here's some gospel-centered worship. Community, service, and multiplication. We exist here at Chapel Bay. And I would even say this to every church, every Christian on the planet, because this comes from the Bible. We exist to bring God glory and make disciples. And the way that we do that here at Chapel Bay is through gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered community, gospel-centered service, and gospel-centered multiplication. So we're actually going to talk. I just want to give you some ways to respond to God in prayer. To this facility. so let's look at some gospel-centered worship and community first. This comes straight from the one thing: devote yourself to daily intercessory prayer. God, the Father of Jesus, get your full attention. Now, when I'm talking about interceding, it's going to take you in there, right? Remember, we talked about supplication. We talked about thanksgiving. These are vital parts should should never be without should never be without your time in prayer. We pray off here, over to the side with people that have needs, hospital beds, rooms with my family, my kids and I, however that is, intercessory prayer, you should do that. So here's, here's what you're going to do. You're going to have a mixture of popcorn and four course meal prayers. A lot of Christians, and I know because I've lived through this, a lot of us as Christians, we can lock into those popcorn prayers, right? Oh Lord, help me make it through this red light. You know, oh Lord, help me get to work on time. Oh Lord, I need this. Oh Lord, help me there. And just during the day, we fire off these popcorn prayers. Nothing wrong with that. Needs arise, you have to answer it immediately. Nehemiah did that before he went back to help rebuild the wall. Went to the king and it said he prayed. Immediately he prayed before the king and he prayed and immediately he was answered. There's times for popcorn prayers. What I'm talking about is also adding in what I call the four course meals of prayer. Where you sit down, you're with the Lord and this is your focus. Your full attention is on God the Father of Jesus. He gets it all. That's worship, man. That's offering your body as a living sacrifice. How do we engage our community with prayer? Um, Pray with others. Right then, don't wait. This is one of the things I love to try to do. My wife really encourages me on when it comes to community. Um, But praying for others, authentic prayer requests, strengthens our neighborhood and us as a family of God. I would challenge you, really would. I'm not, not going to double-dog dear, but I would challenge you to pray uh, more uh, specifically and, and, and for people and, and pray right then. Pray right then. Don't wait. I do it all the time. I'll be on the phone with people. Nathan, pray for me. I've got this. Season, it's like, let's pray now. In the hospital, let's pray now. Obviously, when people come forward at the end of the worship services, we pray for them then. But um, over the grocery lines and gas pumps, wherever you are, when someone's like, hey, would you pray for me? Don't be like, yeah, and I'll pray with you later. Pray for them later. That's the intercessory part. That's the four-course meal part, but also pray for them right then and right there. In that moment, let's just stop what we're doing and pray. Sure, their eyes are going to get big. Sure, they're going to be awkward. Maybe you're in the middle of a board meeting. Maybe you're working on a job site. Doesn't matter. Stop right then and pray for them. So when you're in the community, pray with others. Allow them to see you interact and pull them into that relationship. Here's a way we can serve others in prayer. Prayer. Um, you actually praying for others. I'll give you this acronym. I learned it when I was really young uh, in my faith, but the acronym of joy, right? When you pray, pray to to Jesus, pray for others, pray for yourself. Um, Your heart's desires, but ultimately for God's will to be done on earth as it is to heaven. So sometimes when I'm praying, after I prayed the Lord's prayer, um, I will just run through that acronym of joy, Jesus, I'm going to praise you for prayer. And then I pray for others. And then uh, their needs and their requests and all the ones that they've shared through text messages or conversations. And then finally, pray for myself. So do that. Pray for others. Pray with others. Devote yourself to praying with God. And finally, multiplication. How do we use our prayer life to help others pray better? You ask others to pray. Anyone can pray and everybody should. It's a good way to get better at it. I would even say it, it, it's really the only way. Is, is just to pray more. So ask others to pray for you. And, and don't let them escape. Everyone can pray and everybody should. So have them pray for you right there. Hey, would you pray for me? I've done that a lot. Would you pray for me? I need wisdom. I've got a decision to make. Would you pray for me? You know, just ask people to Pray. Because it's a huge need and a huge desire to do that. And all these ways will help your prayer life and the prayer lives of others. Because we exist to bring God glory, praise, and credit. And to make disciples of Jesus Christ. To become more like Jesus. So let me remind you of the one thing as we close out here. And all these things that we've prayed about, talked about, and, and discussed. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful and intentional. Here's what we're going to do to close this out. We're going to close this out a little differently than what we, what we would maybe typically do. I would not say normally, but just typically do. We're going to lead us through a time of guided prayer. I mean, what, what good would it be for us to, to just simply talk about prayer and go, okay... Turn the podcast off. Turn the radio off. Go on up into work, and God bless you, and do it. We're going to pray together, and we're going to work through just some of these things we've talked about. And it's just I'm going to lead you through a time of guided prayer to help model, to instill, but to encourage you and to show you that it's really a lot simpler than you're making it, and really a lot easier. To move through. So during this time of guided prayer. Um, a couple things. Um, you can pray out loud. Wherever you are. It's totally fine. You can pray in whispers. That's your deal. Just whispers and soft. Because for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe you're in a library. Listening. And you know, not want the librarian to yell at you. You can also just listen in agreement in your soul. And just, and just be a part. And let that take place. But we're going to pray together. You and I. And everybody else who watches and sees us. So let's pray together. God, we, we come to you during this time of guided prayer, which is going to be me praying a little bit. Then look, there's just going to be some silence for them to pray. That's what guided prayer is. Just model a little bit of prayer. We're going to do it together. And then we're just going to be able to have this time to, to, to pray on our own. Then we'll just keep moving through these sections. But right now, God, we just want to praise you and thank you. Thank you for coming to this earth Christmas. Thank you for dying on the cross Easter Easter and the resurrection. For sending the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. Thank you first and foremost for salvation. For the Bible which we can study. And for prayer where we can just hear straight from you. Lord you are so great and you are so perfect. God is so omnibus in so many ways. The Holy Spirit is so comforting and guiding and we praise you in that. So right now in these next few quiet moments, everyone listening, everybody whispering in prayers, everybody praying out loud, I want you to just take these next moments and I want you to praise God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit for whatever you want to praise Him and thank Him for. Praise Him and thank for. Let's just do that. And now, God, we just humbly move into a time of supplication where we, we just make petitions and intercede for, for others and just bring that to the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us to Jesus, who then intercedes to you, God. But we pray for the needs of others. I think first and foremost of, of all of those watching who, who aren't Christians, who don't know the freedom that comes with being saved by grace through faith, through no works of their own, just a free gift of God, we pray for their salvation, its aunts and its uncles, its cousins, its neighbors, its, its exes, its bosses, its co-workers, coaches and players and teammates. Oh, we pray for their salvation, Lord, that they would just be saved and become a Christian and begin to live that out, that they would respond to your call, Lord. They would say yes to you and grace. Lord, please, we earnestly save their souls right now. May they confess and believe in Jesus Christ. And ask forgiveness for their sins. That will send them to hell. If they don't find salvation. And that will keep them weak. And anemic. In this world spiritually. And all the ways that really matter. So we pray for their salvation. And in these next few quiet moments Lord. You have brought people across our path. And into our lives. That have needs and requests. We don't pray for ourselves right now. We're praying for others. Just the joy of praying for others. So in the next few silent moments, we will pray for them, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Help them. And last and, and certainly not least, Lord, uh, we pray for ourselves. Because sometimes we just, we're just a hot mess. Sometimes we just try to put way too much lipstick on a pig and cover up our shortcomings. And sometimes we just want to celebrate more fully the abundance and joy that you've given us through the hard fought warrior moments and the victory. That you have won for us. So God we pray that you will help us. To bring you glory and more praise. And more credit by what we think and do and say. That our faith will be filled with deeds. That we will share the truth in love. And that you will grant us wisdom. And compassion. And fervency to serve you. And that we might be a beacon of hope and light to others by the way we serve. And that we begin to work and and strengthen and repair in all the relationships that we're in. We might find the peace of God that surpasses all understanding so that we can give that peace away to others. So they might find it too. A hidden treasure, not so secret, but so easily found. God, we we love you. And we thank you in these next few moments. We're just, just gonna give Everyone listening and everybody watching a chance to pray for themselves with you. This is the time that they would ask for salvation if they haven't already. This is the time that they would recommit and double down to praying daily with you. So we do that, Lord. Help them, yes. God, we have laid before you our thankfulness to you as our Father, to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to just just to praise you and thank you and show our gratitude and gratefulness. We've come in supplication and the petition of the request for others to say, Lord, we we just lay all of this at your feet. We just let go of all of it and just give it to you and just we're only going to receive what you give to us and say, Lord, heal and work and celebrate and and strengthen and and bless and encourage and all of these requests that take place. And then we've finally just face down before your throne, laid ourselves down and said, Lord, here I am. Take all of me so that I become more and more like Jesus. And as we lay there, we just say, Lord, thank you, and we praise you. Lord, use us this day to help other people um, draw closer to you through prayer. Help us devote ourselves more and more to prayer, no matter where it is, no matter where we're starting, no matter where we are in that journey. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this great gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.